you for downloading this podcast from Victory Outreach Manchester. We pray that this message will bless your life as you listen. We pray today, Holy Spirit, awaken those areas of our life. Bring order where there's been chaos. Bring peace where there's been anxiety. Bring love where there's been fear. Bring power where there's been weakness. Bring purpose where there's been apathy. Awaken our lives today, Holy Spirit, in your presence. Gathered as your church, your people, before you, we ask you, awaken us. Lord, speak to our lives today. We come out to worship you. We come out to bless you and to honour you. We come out to see one another, to celebrate with each other, to pray with each other, to laugh with each other, to cry with each other. But above all else, we come so that we can be the people that you have created us and saved us and called us to be. So today, we ask you to speak to our lives. And we pray that our hearts, our minds will be inclined to you. We thank you today as we gather around your word. We pray for hearts to be open. We pray for ears to be open. And we pray that your word, as it speaks about in Hebrews, would be mixed with our faith to produce fruitfulness, to produce breakthrough, to produce healings, to produce transformation, and ultimately, above all else, that your word would be mixed with our faith so that your kingdom would be established, your church would be built, and your name would be glorified. We pray today, according to your word, that this earth will be filled with your glory. That this earth would be filled with the knowledge of the gospel, of your kingdom, and of your purposes. We thank you today, and we give you all the honor. We give you all the glory, and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name. Come on, put your hands together for the Lord today. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can take your seats. Amen. As always, worship team, thank you so much. You know, believe it or not, if you know me, you may not, you may know me, I don't really enjoy public speaking too much. But yet I'm really, really excited to share this word. I'm really excited to share this word that God has given me. And this word, I believe, no matter what stage of your journey you're at, no matter what stage of your walk you're at, what stage of life you're at, this word is for you and I today. Um, I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles or to turn on your phones or whatever way, whatever way you use. I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalms 103. I'm going to read one verse. I'm just going to read one verse to begin with, and then we're going to go through some other passages a little later in the message. But as always, as you do that, I just want to just express how grateful I am today that January 
Um, it's always uh, can be an interesting month for me because January is the month that I first started coming to church, first came to know Jesus. And so January this year is 25 years since I walked through the doors of Victory Outreach. And I'm so grateful to God, so thankful. Um, Psalms 103 verse 7, the title of this message is Show Me Your Ways. Show me your ways. And Psalms 103 verse 7, the psalmist David, David wrote around about half the Psalms, depending which way you calculate it, out of 150 that we have in our Bible, he wrote about half of them. And he says this, he says, speaking of God, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. Let me say that one more time. He made known his ways to Moses, or some translations are also going to say his deeds, or his works, or his acts to the people of Israel. This is the first of two messages that I'm going to preach. Not today, thankfully not two messages today. Two messages this week and next week that I'm going to preach. And these messages, I believe, are going to contribute, are going to be a part of laying foundations in our life for what it is that God wants to do this year. I believe for each and every one of us, like I said, no matter where you're at in this journey, that I believe, I hope, and I pray that this word will either lay, either build, or restore foundations in our life. And I believe, as we've heard over this past couple of weeks, we've heard certain words that have been brought forth about what the year looks like for us in 2024. And we've heard things like fruitfulness. We've heard about miracles. We've heard about uh, acceleration. And we've, to really wrap it all up, what we've heard about is abundance. We believe that we are coming into a year of abundance, not just some hope that we have, but based on what God has been doing, based on what we have seen God do, we're believing that 2024 is a year of miracles. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 7, in one of Jesus' most infamous teachings, the Sermon on the Mount. From Matthew 5 to Matthew 7, he begins to teach the crowds as he sits on the mountainside. And he begins to teach the crowds, this is what it looks like to be a follower of God. This is what it looks like to be a disciple. This is what it looks like to be a Christian. This is what it looks like to, be, to belong to the family of God. And he begins to go through his different teachings of the type of life that we should live, the type of way that we should speak and think and act. But then he goes on to say, in Matthew 7, he who hears these words of mine and builds his house on those words is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. That storms will come, that rain will come, that winds will come. But when you build your house, when you build your identity, when you build your purposes, when you build your choices, when you build your decisions, when you build your ways on the teachings and the life of Jesus, no matter what storms come, no matter what winds come, no matter what rain comes, you will be built on the rock. You know what I love? We're going to declare fruitfulness. We're going to declare prosperity. We're going to declare abundance. You might as well declare rain. You might as well declare wind. You might as well declare storms. Because if something great is going to happen in your life, you're going to have to stand on that rock sometimes that might feel like it's shaking. Everything around you might feel like it's shaking. But if you're believing for something great to happen, then you have to build your house on the rock. You know what I heard? 
Because we're 24 years into the 21st century. 2024. If you're an 80s kid like me, I'm an 80s kid. You would, I heard something the other day which was really sobering and humbling. That in six years' time, the 80s will be 50 years ago. I'm an 80s kid, and I thought in six years' time, the 80s are going to be 50 years ago. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was watching the Friends reunion, I was like, that was 32 years ago that started. I'm like, something is going wrong here. Something is going too quick. But yet, even here in the 21st century, there's been some iconic moments, some more so than others. Some, I'm going to mention some of these. Some of them you might be interested in. Some of them you will not care less about. It's okay. But I don't know what you were doing on the 16th of August, 2009. But on the 16th of August, 2009, a man by the name of Usain Bolt ran 100 meters in 9.58 seconds. That was an iconic moment. My mother and father-in-law are Jamaican. That was an iconic moment in my family. You know what I found out at Christmas? Best Christmas present ever. But apparently, I can get a Jamaican passport. My wife, my, hey, listen, if you know me, that's too much power. That's, that, that's too much, man. I will be bringing that to church, and I will be using that. When it comes to getting the patties after service, I will take my Jamaican passport. I'll be like, that, my patty that, my patty that. I'll be bringing it, man. Listen, yes and amen, best Christmas present ever. But apparently I've just found out I've got to make an appointment with my father-in-law to find out the terms and conditions. <laughs> On the 20th of January 2009, President Obama took the oath of office to become the President of the United States of America. An iconic moment for so many. This one you probably won't care about, but I'll mention it. The 7th of February, 2023, LeBron James become the highest scoring basketball player in NBA history. This one you'll care about even more. The 29th of June, 2007, the first Apple iPhone was released. Come on now, I knew people would be a bit more excited about that one. But I'm willing to hedge my bets and I'm willing to guess that although we have witnessed many of these acts, you don't know the people themselves. Although you may have seen Usain Bolt run that 100 meters, I'm willing to bet most of us in here, if not all of us, don't know Usain Bolt. Although we may have seen Obama take, declared the President of the United States of America, we probably don't know him ourselves. And I wonder if this is what David's getting at when he says that he made his ways known to Moses but his acts or his deeds to the people of Israel. I wonder if what David's saying is that it's possible to know someone's acts but not know that person themselves. I wonder if what he's saying is it's possible to be inspired by someone but not know that person intimately. I wonder if that's what David was talking about when he said that Moses knew God's ways and Israel knew God's deeds that maybe what David was saying is that it's possible to know what someone has done, but not know that person themselves. And I wonder if what David's saying about Israel, that in all the miracles they saw, in all the acts of God they saw, in all the things that took place around them, they never truly came to know God intimately themselves. 
That first generation of Israel that David is speaking about here. Because when you look at Israel's journey in Exodus, you see they saw miracle after miracle after miracle, but never truly got to grips with who God had called them to be. They saw the plagues, the infamous ten plagues, come upon the gods of Egypt. They saw miracle after miracle. They saw the journey through the Red Sea where God parted the seas and they walked through. And then just as they came onto dry land on the other side, the waters came down on top of the Egyptian army. They saw miracles. Just after they came out of the Red Sea into the wilderness, they came to a spring. And it says that the water was bitter, but yet God worked a miracle and that bitter water turned sweet. They saw a miracle. They saw the manna provided from heaven. In the wilderness, where they had nowhere to turn for food, nowhere to turn to eat, God provided manna. They saw miracles. They saw God on Mount Sinai in Exodus 20, his glory descend. Moses entered God's presence. They saw God's glory. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle. But did they truly come to know God? Is it possible to walk with God for a year, five years, ten years, and truly only come to know his works and not know him? You see, it's not that knowing God's miracles is a bad thing. <laughs> not even close. Even the scriptures tell us and remind us and challenge us and, in, and really command us to remember God's miracles. Psalms 103, or 103, yeah, Psalms 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. I love that. Bless the Lord, and do not forget the good that he has done, the miracles that he has provided. In 25 years of my walk with God, God has over and over again divinely intervened in my life year after year. But I tell you this, it's not been 25 years of miracles. It's not been every day has been some type of divine intervention. But I have seen for 25 years God heal, God transform, God change in my life alone. I've experienced God's physical healing. I've experienced God's emotional healing. I've seen God save. I've seen God transform. My children are a miracle from God. I've seen the miracles of God in my life and I bless him for that. I worship him for that. I praise God because he has done miracles in my life, but not every day has been a miracle. Some days, some weeks, some months, and dare I even say it, some years, I don't think I've seen too many miracles in the way that I wanted to see them. But God has kept me. God has shaped me. God has formed me. God has healed me. God has done what only God can do. I've not become dependent on his works. I've become dependent on his presence. And there's a difference. There is a difference. We've just celebrated 20 years of ministry in Vichyarich, Manchester. We have celebrated, and let me tell you, those 20 years have been punctuated by miracle after miracle after miracle. So knowing God's deeds is not a bad thing. 
Knowing God's miracles is not a bad thing. Over 20 years, we have seen hundreds of graduations from our victory homes where people have come in with addiction and chaos, coming out of lives of violence and torment and darkness. And yet we've seen their minds restored. We've seen their hearts cleansed. We've seen their families restored. We've seen miracle after miracle. And that's just 20 years in one church. This is 57 years as Victory Outreach. In over 300 churches, we've seen hundreds of thousands of men and women whose lives have been transformed. We bless the Lord for his miracles. We've seen churches launched. You know, I was really humbled this week when I began to write this message and I began to think about the fact that apart from the original church in London back in 1989, I've been at every service where a church has been launched out in this region. I've seen Pastor Paul and Sister Vicky launched out in 2003. See Pastor Mark and Zoe to Glasgow, Pastor Colin and Tash. I see go there over to Birmingham, Pastor Dave and Sister Janet in London. I've seen them in Liverpool and I've seen the churches launched out. We've had miracle births in this church. We've had businesses that have been launched, that are impacting and serving our communities. We've seen generational cycles broken. We've seen books being written by people that probably the only thing they've ever written was a dodgy check. And now they're writing books. They're authors. We've seen financial miracles. We've seen young people separating their life for the call of God. We've seen healings physically, mentally, emotionally. And as amazing as all those things are, there's something even more important. Show me your ways, God. So when David wrote these words, when David penned this psalm, what was he looking to? What was he thinking about? That David could say that God had shown his ways to Moses and his works to Israel. To discover this, we need to go back into Exodus. And we need to go to an encounter that Moses had with God. From Exodus 32 to Exodus 34, we're going to work through a few verses. But we find that this encounter that Moses had with God came at an important time in Israel's journey. They'd come out of slavery in Egypt. They'd come through the Red Sea. They'd come into the wilderness and God had given them a promise that he was going to bring them into a land. A land where he would build them as a nation. A land where he would build them as a people. And that they would be a light to the world. And we come to Exodus 32, and we're going to read a few verses here. Exodus 32, if you, have, if you use your Bibles, the physical paper Bibles, you might have a little title that says, The Golden Calf. And it's this infamous story in the Old Testament, where as Moses was in the presence of God, Israel began to panic. Israel began to fear. And it says this from Exodus 32, verse 1 to 4, it says this. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come make gods for us who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. 
He took these from them, formed them in a mold, and cast an image of a calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. You see, Israel began to panic when Moses didn't reappear. Israel began to fear when Moses hadn't returned. You know what strikes me about this is this teaches us a lot about our human nature. You see, Moses was the voice of God to Israel. Moses was the prophet. The Old Testament describes him as the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. Moses was the one who brought direction to Israel on behalf of God. Moses was a mediator, an intercessor. He was the one that would hear from God and bring direction to Israel. But what strikes me about this passage is it says, when the people saw that Moses delayed, they began to respond a certain way. And I began to think how often our lives can be like that. That if Moses is the voice of God to Israel, if Moses was the one who brought direction, the one who brought confirmation, the one who brought all of these things, it's interesting that as soon as they didn't hear from God quick enough, they began to make something in their own image. It says that when they saw that Moses had delayed, they began to shape something for themselves. I wonder how often in our lives, it's not an issue of offering the prayers up. Moses went up, they weren't bothered. But when it didn't come back down quick enough, they began to panic. I think sometimes that's what we're like. We'll offer the prayers up, but when we don't get the answer quick enough, what do I do? Well, you know what I'll do? I'll take out a loan. You know what I'll do? I'll, I'll form a relationship for myself. You know what I'll do? I'll find another church. You know what I'll do? I'll go here, I'll go there. Because why? Because we might have offered the prayer up, but we didn't get the answer as quick as we wanted. I've seen it over and over again. Sometimes people pray for relationships. I might duck behind the pulpit when I say this one. Sometimes people pray for relationships, and when it doesn't come in the time that they wanted, when it might feel delayed, you know what they do? They start looking around. Okay, well, who can I find? Who can I find? You know what? Let me take this and I'll begin to shape it. And this is the person that God brought into my life. That's what they did. They didn't turn away from God per se. They tried to shape something that gave them peace that wasn't from God. We're like that sometimes. We begin to panic. We begin to move ahead of God. We begin to say, okay, God, I've offered the prayer up. There seems to be something going on in heaven. Maybe you're busy. So I'll just, I'll just take care of business right here. And we begin to shape things. We're going to see miracles, we're going to see fruitfulness, we're going to see abundance, we're going to see acceleration, we're going to see these things. We've got to be careful that just because we don't see it on January the 8th, or you start to pray and fasting on January the 11th and you're like, it's January the 12th and I don't see no miracles yet, but you don't start to shape something for yourself. We can't take matters into our own hands. The conversation goes on between God and Moses in Exodus 32, 7 to 14. And Israel, Moses is not aware of what Israel are doing. Moses is up on the mountain and he thinks Israel are getting on with things and doing what they're meant to do. But God sees what's happening. And God begins to speak to Moses and he says this. This is straight after Israel have fashioned this calf and created this garden. The Lord says to Moses, go down at once. Your people 
who you brought up out of the land of Egypt, are acting perversely. I love that. God says to Moses, your people, that you brought up out of Israel. Honestly, I thought God did it. God's like, they're your people, Moses. You deal with it. Sounds like my wife at home when the kids are arguing. James, come and speak to your son. I'm sure he's your son too. Come and speak to your son. It's like, you know what? When God says that, these are your people. You know, God's like, you know what? I don't know, man. And God begins to say, in verse 11, he says, The Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now he says, now let me alone. He says to Moses, let me alone, leave me alone, so that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and of you I will make a great nation. You know there's a kind of movement within the church, not this church, but the church, where people want to get rid of God's wrath. People want to get rid of God's anger, but God doesn't get angry. God's not wrathful. God's not just like that. The scriptures say he is. This conversation tells us he is. But then it says, here's what I love. He says, I may consume them, and Moses of you, I will make a great nation. Man, if you've got a bit of pride in you, that's the kind of comment you'd love. Moses, I'm going to raise you up. Moses, I will make you great. But Moses' response it says here, but Moses implored the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, who you brought out? See, Moses is talking back to God. Who you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath. Change your mind and do not bring disaster on this people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, how you swore to them by your own self, saying to them, I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he had planned to bring on his people. You know what I love about this conversation, and you could go really deep with this and open up a whole heap of conversations, but you know what I love that this teaches us? is that God's people matter. God's people make a difference. Moses was interceding. Moses was a mediator. Moses was standing in the gap. And we could easily stand here, and you could have this attitude towards Christianity, where if God wants it to happen, it will happen. His ultimate purpose is, yeah. Revelation 21, 22, new creation, yeah. But what we see in Scripture is that there's not an attitude where if God wants it to happen, it will happen. God raises up leaders. God raises up prayer warriors. God raises up intercessors. God raises up prophets. God raises up business people who resource the kingdom. God raises these people up. And what we see from this passage is that Moses' life made a difference. That if it wasn't for Moses' conversation, if it wasn't for Moses' intercession, if it wasn't for Moses' remembering the promises of God, if it wasn't for Moses knowing the character of God, it's like Abraham's conversation with God in Genesis 18 with Sodom and Gomorrah. If I can find 50 righteous people, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10, it's like the New Year's countdown, 5, 4, if I can just find one. You see, what matters is that God will raise people up to make a difference. And if we're believing for miracles, if we're believing for fruitfulness, if we're believing for abundance, I want to tell you two things. Firstly, there will be some miracles in the midst of this church, some miracles in our lives that you will just stand back and it will just be God. 
God alone, he will blow your mind. He will bring something your way. He will heal. He will do something where you'll be able to say, you know what? It was God and God alone. But there will be some miracles. If you want fruitfulness, if you want abundance, if you want breakthrough, if you want to experience these things, I'm willing to hedge my bets that some of those miracles will come through you. Some of those healings might come because God stirs your faith to pray for people. So we're, we're believing for healings. Well, then the question is, is that whose faith is going to be stirred to begin to pray for people to be healed? If we're believing for financial breakthroughs, yeah, you know what? You might get the tax rebate. You might get the promotion. You might get the bonus. But maybe God's put something in your hand that he wants you to resource the church and bless someone. Maybe financial miracles are going to come through you as well. Maybe there's miracles that are waiting for, God's to, for, for, for our faith to be stirred in such a way. Maybe there's people that have been generational cycles of, of, of going back to how they used to live. Maybe that's going to change by God raising up teachers that are going to teach and equip his church. Gifts will be stirred. Faith will be sparked. Miracles will be seen because he is God and he is faithful. But because the church begin to stand up and say, you've gifted me. You've graced me. I'm believing for transformation. And we begin to step into it. This conversation that Moses had with God says, shows us that the conversations matter. Our prayers matter. That's why we see our intercessors hit in the way that they are. Moses was interceding. Our intercessors help shape and form the direction of this church. They pray. And like I said, we could stand here and say, if I can be brutally honest, we can stand here and say, well, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. Or we can stand here and say, if God wants to do it, then it's the church's responsibility to bring it to pass. It's the church's responsibility to pray till they see it happen. It's the church's responsibility to step out in faith into the will that God has prepared and set before us. Or we can just sit back and say, well, if God wants it, it will happen. That's not what scripture shows us. Victory Outreach Manchester is a family in the city and we are here for you. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10am. Go to our website vomanchester.org.uk for more information.